Hello and a very warm welcome back to the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Coming up in this episode, running cars is becoming incredibly expensive for any business and the costs seem set to rise even further. So you're inevitably thinking about going electric. But are there any tax breaks available to soften the blow? Plus, sticking with the tax theme, dealing with a tax inspector is never an exciting prospect, actually far from it. But sometimes HMRC does overstep the mark and start fishing for information it doesn't have a right to. What are your rights in such a situation? Keep listening and we'll explain it all. You're listening to Tips and Advice for Business, the weekly podcast that trawls through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized advice and realistic solutions to everyday challenges. And all this in just a few short minutes, because we know that your time is precious. The Tips and Advice for Business podcast is freely available on all the usual platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon and Deezer and is brought to you by those ever so nice people at Indicator FL Memo. For supporting information, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk. Your host today is Duncan Callow, solicitor and publisher. Following the recent steep hikes in petrol and diesel prices, you're wondering whether now is the time to make the switch to electric company vehicles, as you understand there are tax benefits of doing so. But what are the tax breaks that are available? Well, firstly, for 2022, 23 and 24 to 25 inclusive, it's important to note that the appropriate benefiting kind percentage for an electric vehicle, an EV, is 2%. This means that EVs can be a tax efficient benefit. Let's drill down a little bit and look at an example. So if an employee has an EV with a list price of £30,000 available for private use throughout the tax year, the taxable amount is only £600. That's £30,000 at 2%. Consequently, a high-rate taxpayer will only pay tax of £240 on the benefit of a £30,000 EV. And for a basic-rate taxpayer, the tax bill is only £120. As the Class 1A NI charge is based on the taxable amount, going electric benefits the employer, you, the business, too. The Class 1A uh, liability in respect of the provision of a £30,000 EV with a taxable benefit of £600 is only just over £82. How does this contrast with petrol and diesel vehicles? Well, there's a maximum charge of 37% of the list price, which for 22-23 to 24-25 applies to petrol cars with CO2 emissions in excess of 160 grams per kilometre. At the maximum charge, the taxable amount for a £30,000 company car would be £11,100. That's 30000 at 37% on which a high-rate taxpayer would pay tax of £4,440 and a basic-rate taxpayer would pay tax of £2,220, whilst the employer would pay Class 1 NI of £1,531. So looking at these figures alone, you can see it's very clear that moving to EVs can generate significant tax savings for the employee and Class 1A NI savings for the business, for the employer. But you may be concerned that the infrastructure to support fully electric company cars isn't quite there yet. That's certainly true in some parts of the UK. And also, uh, if an employee's mileage is particularly high, uh, you're wondering whether uh, a switch to EVs is really a sound 
thing to do at the moment. An alternative could be to go to low emission vehicles as a tax efficient stepping stone. Now, the appropriate percentage for cars with emissions in the 1 to 50 grams per kilometer range also depends on the electric only range of the car. The greater the range, the lower the charge. The figures for 22, 23 and uh, 24, 25 inclusive are as follows. If the electric range is more than 130 miles, the percentage is 2. If it's 70 to 129 miles, it's 5%. If it's 40 to 69 miles, it's 8%. If it's 30 to 39 miles, it's 12%. And if it's less than 30 miles, it's 14%. Why anybody would buy a car with an electric only range of 30 miles would be um, quite puzzling, to be honest. So, again, we can see that low emission cars can be tax efficient, particularly if the car has a good electric range. Also, the charge for a hybrid with an electric range of at least 130 miles is the same as for a full EV. What about the fuel benefit? Well, HMRC doesn't regard the provision of electricity for an EV as fuel. This means you can meet the cost of electricity for private journeys in an electric company car without any associated tax or Class 1A NI liability. The current climate, tax-free fuel in inverted commas, for private journeys would be seen as a really valuable benefit. On the other hand, if the employee pays for the electricity for a company car, despite HMRC not regarding electricity as a fuel, you, the business, can pay a tax-free allowance for business mileage of five pence per mile. Where the employee uses their own EV for work, you can make tax-free mileage payments up to the approved amount. For cars, this is including electric cars, obviously, this is set at 45p per mile for the first 10,000 business miles, and 25p per mile thereafter in the tax year, obviously. Now, to encourage uh, employees to adopt EVs, you may choose to install an electric charging point at the workplace. You know, if they can't charge the vehicle, it's no good. Where you meet the cost of business mileage, there are no tax implications for the employee in doing so. You can also provide or meet the cost of electricity for private motoring in an employer's company car without it triggering a fuel benefit charge. So these are all really positive elements. Employees are able to use a workplace charger to charge their own electric or hybrid vehicles or one in which they're a passenger without a taxable benefit arising. This allows you to meet the electricity cost of an employee's private motoring in their own car tax-free another significant benefit and something worth considering. Perhaps you're not able to give um, pay rises in the next uh, tax year. Supplying an EV and the electricity might be a way to offset that. It's worth bearing in mind that the exemption only applies to workplace charging facilities. It doesn't apply if you pay for or reimburse the cost of off-site charging. Further, the exemption is conditional on the charging facilities being available to all employees who wish to use them or all those at a particular site where you have more than one site. Finally, let's look at the position on capital allowances. The capital allowances system does reward environmentally friendly choices, which is good news. Cars, unlike bands, however, do not qualify for the annual investment allowance or for the super deduction or 50% first-year allowance available to companies for a limited period. However, the good news is that 100% first-year allowance is available for new and uh, used EVs. Where the first-year allowance is not available or not claimed, main 
rate, writing down allowances at 18% are available for expenditure on cars with CO2 emissions of 50 grams per kilometre or less. Where CO2 emissions exceed this figure, special rate writing down allowances at the rate of 6% are given. And you can also benefit from a 100% first year capital allowance on the cost of workplace charging facilities, which we've already previously discussed. So where does this leave us or where does it leave you in your uh, decision making? Well, the main benefits for choosing new 100% electric company cars are a significant reduction in the class 1A charge and the ability to claim a 100% first year allowance. The tax charge for employees, for them, for your drivers, workers, is also lower. If you're not yet ready to go fully electric, think about hybrids. They still offer savings and this may be particularly suitable for employees who undertake a higher mileage. Anyway, we hope you found this information helpful and it will guide you in your decision-making process. Can HMRC go fishing for personal information? Of course, nobody relishes the prospect of having to deal with HMRC during an inquiry. But sometimes it does overstep the mark and ask for personal information it's not entitled to. What are your rights in such a situation? Well, it might not seem that way, but there are actually strict rules which govern HMRC's conduct during its inquiries, or you might know them as investigations. There are time limits for opening an inquiry and limitations on what information it can ask for. These allow HMRC a lot of latitude, as you'd expect, so that it can unearth evidence of tax evasion, but it isn't allowed to demand information or documents willy-nilly in the hope of finding wrongdoing. So it can't go fishing, in other words. This point was the crux of the dispute in a recent case called Matthew Jenner versus HMRC. What happened? Well, HMRC started inquiries into Jenner's 2016-17 and 2017-18 self-assessment returns, apparently suspecting him of not declaring some income. HMRC requested documents and details of his personal incoming and outgoings, for example, household, household bills, expenditure on holidays and other personal costs. It formalised these requests by issuing so-called information notices. Mr Jenner appealed against them on the grounds that they exceeded HMRC's powers. Now, HMRC countered this by um, saying that based on information reported in Jenner's tax return, his income wasn't sufficient to meet his living costs and other personal expenditure and that the shortfall was significant. There were red flags on his file. It was therefore necessary to have detailed information about Jenner's personal income and outgoings. Mr Jenner's argument was that HMRC was simply fishing for information and that the limitations on information notices prevented this from happening. These rules say that the information must be reasonably required. A fishing expedition doesn't meet this test. Now, the first tier tribunal agreed with Mr Jenner that HMRC was not permitted to make requests for broad information in the hope of finding evidence to support its suspicions. Further, no taxpayer can be required to divulge details of their personal expenditure unless there was no alternative way to establish the facts. However, the tribunal looked more closely at each element of the information notices. And it decided that this information was not reasonably required by HMRC. Therefore, on this point, it decided the appeal in favour of Mr Jenner. 
The tribunal accepted HMRC's argument that it was reasonable to request information about money received by Mr. Jenner other than that from his business. It therefore ruled that the information notices were valid in this regard. So that's one all. Similarly, the tribunal decided that HMRC reasonably required this information so that it could check Mr. Jenner's income tax position. This element of the uh, information notice was therefore also valid to one to HMRC. What are the consequences? Well, we won't know the outcome of HMRC's inquiry when it gets the information from Mr. Jenner. It might be that he has capital or non-taxable income to fund his living standards. If so, he would have been wise to mention them in the any other information part of his tax returns. This could have prevented HMRC from starting its investigations and creating the information notices in the first place. So what can we take from this case? Well, it's clear that HMRC is entitled to request and expect you to provide information about your personal finances, for example, income and capital, that doesn't need to be reported on your tax returns if it's reasonably required to establish your tax position. However, this does not usually extend to information about your personal expenditure and other outgoings. I hope that's all clear and you can sleep easy in your dealings with HMRC. But can you believe it? We've reached the end of another episode of the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Don't worry, we will be back again soon with even more incisive advice for you and your business. But for now, thank you for sharing your time with us and goodbye. You've been listening to the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Every week we trawl through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized tips, advice and solutions. For more information about our products and services, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk.